All right, we're looking at the love of God, and today we're going to look at our love for Him. All right, our love for Him. Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. Scribes and the Pharisees were constantly looking to catch Jesus out, and sometimes when they were trying to catch Jesus out, uh, we end up getting a truth uh, that just blesses us uh, to the deepest part of our soul. Right? And he gives us a truth here uh, that we're going to tease our way through this morning, but it's a truth that blesses us. Because Jesus had the ability to make it simple. The Old Testament Jew had, they say, 613 commandments that he was supposed to keep. That's a lot, isn't it? That's, that'd be hard to remember, never mind to actually do. But when Jesus is pressed on it, he condenses all of it into two. Two that you know, that you can take with you, that you have in your heart, that you uh, know. They may be harder to actually do uh, than to remember, but they're there, they're real. And you see, when it comes to our Christianity, it's about a relationship with him. Do you realize that Christianity is different from other faiths in that? Nobody talks much about a relationship with Allah. And heaven, even for the Muslim, is... Uh, is carnal pleasures rather than the presence of God. And, you know, as you look at the different religions of the world, some of them are uh, capricious, some of them are uh, angry. So that, but our God draws us into a relationship with him. It's different. And it's a love relationship. We just sung about it. All our songs this morning have uh, included that thought of uh, our love for him and his love for us. And we need to catch that because the basis of Christianity is his love for us. But the response to his love for us is going to be our love for him. And you see, it's not a one-sided relationship where he loves us and we just carry on. No, it's a relationship that goes back and forth where we love him too. All right, so Mark chapter 12 and verse 28. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, And perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Okay, give it to me, lay it on me, give me me the one commandment. Now, Jesus doesn't. By the way, Jesus often answers the question, not uh, strictly speaking in the way it was answered. He answers the question with truth, but not strictly speaking. He was was not bound by what they were asking him. So he's going to answer their question, right? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And verse 30 says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Now, we could go into dissecting the words and what they mean in that, uh, and look at it from that angle. And it would be profitable for us to do that. But you know what he's saying? You're supposed to love him with everything that's in you. You're supposed to love him with everything that's in you. Now, we come to church this morning, and that's probably not true of us. That's probably not where we're at. So we're going to look at it. We're going to look at it, and then we're going to get some help. How can we actually do this thing of loving him? All right, let's pray first, though. Father, would you bless us? Bless your word to us. 
Uh, Lord, <clears throat> we do thank you for so concisely putting it in, putting the commands in a, in a way that we can remember. But Lord, would you bless us now, Lord? We don't want to just know it, Lord. We want to live it. We want it to be real. And Lord, it would be so easy for us to walk away thinking that we could never make it and we could never do uh, this love with everything that's in us. But Lord, we know that everything you ask us to do uh, is not only possible, Lord, but it's provided for, for your children. Now, Lord, would you help us today? Help us to look at your word and to lay hold upon truth. In Jesus' precious name, amen. <clears throat> all right, so the first commandment uh, is that we're to love the Lord our God with all our hearts. Uh, we are to love him above all else. Now, <clears throat> when we look at a command to love, it kind of, how, how can you command someone to love you? Right? I mean, can a man command a woman to love him? That doesn't work, does it? And a woman can't command a man to love her easily either. And yet, God is saying to us, and it's a command, we're to love him with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. <clears throat> and you see, the problem for us is that we associate love with warm, fuzzy feelings, don't we? But if you think about it, love doesn't always necessarily mean warm, fuzzy feelings, does it? When you think of a mother going to a baby in the middle of the night because the baby's just vomited and she may be feeling fuzzy, but it's not warm, fuzzy feelings that, she, that she's feeling at that time of the night. She goes in and she takes care of that baby. Uh, it's the last thing she wants to do, get herself out of bed uh, and go in and deal with that child. But why does she do it? She would answer you like that, because I love him. Because I love the child. It's love, isn't it? I mean, we do hard things uh, because of love. Uh, when we look at Jesus on the cross, why did he do it? Because of love. Was there a warm, fuzzy feeling involved in it? I haven't read of any warm, fuzzy feeling in any of the accounts I've read of the crucifixion. And yet, he did it because of love. So here's what we've got to understand, that when God is asking us to love him, we've got to put the warm, fuzzy feelings to one side. Now, let, let me just put this in here at this point, too. It's not a feelingless love, either. Because sometimes we want to make, well, I obey God. It's grim, it's difficult, it's hard, but I do what I'm supposed to do. It's not like that, either. Right? But understand, he's not commanding you to have warm, fuzzy feelings. Jesus never, God never commands us to do things that are impossible for us to do. But if we will do what he says that we should do, what we'll find is we'll find feeling comes with it as well. We'll find there will be feeling there, right? <clears throat> so let's look at the command. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. Now we're going to look at this at the end of the message. This is the shame of Israel. Uh, this is uh, Israel's uh, cry as a, as, a, as a people. This is what they were supposed to be and what they were supposed to do. Deuteronomy 6, 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And Jesus is actually quoting it for us uh, in Mark chapter 12 there, what we just read. We're to love the Lord thy God with all our heart, soul, uh, and thy might. And again, it's the idea of you're to love him with everything in you. You're, you're, you're to love him. Now, it's not the warm, fuzzy feeling. It's the idea of giving yourself to him. It's the idea, idea of giving yourself for him. It's, 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 it's an extravagant kind of love that he's talking about here. He wants you to love him with everything that's in you. He wants you to put him first. 
<clears throat> Mark 12, 30 again. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment, right? <clears throat> and then Luke 14, 26 says the same thing. No, sorry. Uh, Luke 14, 26 helps us. Uh, he says, if any man come to me and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and his children and his brethren and his sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, <clears throat> This actually helps us. It doesn't look very helpful at first, but it does help us, right? You know, when he talks there about hating your mother and your father, there's lots of scriptures where you're supposed to love them. When he talks, really, it's inconsistent for the Christian to hate anyone. So what's, what's Jesus talking about when he says this? This is Luke 14. This is the three tests, three tests of discipleship here. What's he talking about? He says, if you come to him and you hate not your father and your mother and your wife and your children and your brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also he cannot be my disciple. What he's doing is he's telling him, I need to be number one. Now, and the, the, the word for hate is a very strong word. And it means to us, you know, that we despise something, that we hate Something, but oftentimes in the Bible it's used in a comparative sense. All right, Jacob had two wives. Well, he had four, but he had to, he had two wives, two sisters. Uh, he had Leah, who he married. He was duped into marrying Leah, and then he had Rachel, whom he loved and wanted to marry. So he had bo- he had both these wives. Now the Bible says that God closed up um, a Rachel's womb because Leah was hated. Now let's kind of think about it for a second. Jacob and Leah had a family together. I mean, there was something going on between them. They actually had a family together. How come, how could you say that Jacob hated Leah? Well, the truth is that he much preferred Leah, that he much preferred Rachel to Leah. And you think about it. I mean, polygamy doesn't work. It's, I mean, it's in the Bible, but it doesn't work. It never worked. Uh, there's always problems and difficulties with it. But you can imagine yourself, if you were the first wife in a polygamous relationship, well, you know what, the one that was loved... Uh, it wouldn't be the best thing, but it might be okay for you. Can you imagine being the second wife? Can you imagine being the one who was uh, not cared for, the one who was uh, not loved, the one who felt? You'd feel hated, wouldn't you? You know, no, no matter how good things were for you in the home, you, you'd feel hated. And what it's talking about here is he was putting Rachel number one, and he was putting Leah second. And let's bring it back to our text here. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother, wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. You know what Jesus is asking of you and I? He's asking us that we love him by making him number one, by making him the most important, by making him the one that we seek to please above all else, by making him the one that we want uh, to be right with above all else. Now, it will affect every part of your life if this becomes real. But it's not asking you to have a warm, fuzzy feeling. What it's doing is it's asking you to give him the first place in your life, where that no one and the rest of the passage is going to say nothing else is supposed to come between you and him. He's supposed to be number one in your life. What Jesus is asking you uh, to do here, he's saying, listen, Make me first. Make me the one that counts. Yes, there are going to be a whole bunch of other people in your life that you're going to love, but by comparison to the relationship you have with me and the love you have for me, I'm going to be number one in everything. Now look, that's really helpful. That is really helpful. 
It's not asking you to hate people, but it is asking you to put him in first place in your life. Now, why would you put him in first place in your life? Well, <clears throat> because, first of all, he's worthy. He asks it of you, and he's worthy. But you know what else? He loves you. Now, you've got a lot of people in your life that if you were to press them on it, they would say that they love you. You've got several people, at least in your life, that would say, yeah, yeah, I, I love you. But nobody loves you like he does. And it's not because they're mean or low or bad. It's because they can't. We're broken people living in a broken world. And our love is always going to be, at best, it's going to be a, a selfish love. Now, yes, we'll do things that are unselfish, and yes, Mothers will take care of their babies with no thought of themselves. And yes, husbands and wives will do things for themselves. But you know, the reality is, if you're in a relationship for any length of time, you're going to see the other person as selfish too. And you're selfish, because it's in us. And we get it wrong. But you know, when you come to Jesus, you're coming to a relationship that's never going to be selfish with you. Never. You're coming to somebody who's never going to do you wrong, selfishly. If Jesus ever hurts you, it's going to be for your good. If he ever puts you in a difficult place, it's going to be for your good and for your blessing. You see, you're coming to a relationship here that's not like any other relationship you know. You're coming to a relationship here with somebody who loves you in a way it's impossible for anybody else to love you. And he says, okay, now I love you like that. I want you to love me back. I want you to respond with love in that relationship. I want you to put me number one. I want you to make me the number one person in your life. I want you to make me the number one relationship in your life. I I want to be your number one. You see, when we come to him, we're coming to a relationship that's like none other. We're coming to somebody that loves you like nobody else can love you, and he says, I want you to make me number one. I want you to make me first in your life. Let me read you some other verses uh, <clears throat> on this. Deuteronomy 30, verse 16 says, And I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, for that thou mayest live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. Do you know that he says that when you love him, he's going to bless you? But when you give yourself to him, he's going to bless you. Now, he asks, listen, he commits himself in the relationship. We saw that last week. He loved you when you were a sinner, when you didn't care about him. But having committed himself to you fully in that love relationship, he says, now, I want you to love me too. I want you to make me number one. I I want to be first in your life. Now, look, you can't have warm, fuzzy feelings. You can't command them, at least. But you can decide to put him first. And I guarantee if you decide to put him first, what you're going to find is you're going to find that because this relationship is so sweet and because he is so wonderful, feelings are going to come. Feelings are going to come that are going to drown out everything else uh, in your life. But he says, I want you to put me first. I want you, I want to be number one. It's a command. Second one. Loving God is a response to his love. Look at 1 John 4, verse 10. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
We love him because he first loved us. Aren't you so glad that God didn't leave it for you to prove yourself before he would love you? I'm glad. Aren't you, aren't you glad that God, the, in his perfect relationship with us, uh, didn't decide that uh, he would love us if we attained uh, to a certain thing? No, he took me when I was at my lowest, and he said, I loved you then. God commendeth his love towards us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I loved you then. You know what? <clears throat> that means he's always going to love you. That means his love for you is secure, and it's a relationship. So he wants you to respond to it. Is it possible for somebody to love you and you not to know about it? It is, isn't it? Right? And somebody might absolutely adore you, ladies, but if you don't know about it, it wouldn't do you any good, would it? wouldn't help you at all. It wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't mean anything to you at all if you didn't know about it. Right? And what God does is <clears throat> he shows his love for you and then he wants you to respond to that love. And when you respond to that love, the relationship begins to go deeper. It's like any relationship. And he wants you to love him back. He wants you to get involved in this relationship. He wants to show you more uh, of his love. Um, now, let me say it again. This is the only relationship that you can have with someone that will never hurt you selfishly. It's the only relationship you can have. Because every other, every other relationship you have is with a human being. And as good and as sweet and as blessed as those relationships are, you know what? That people have their moments. And people can hurt you. And you know what? You, you get over it because you love them and you, wanna, uh, you want things to be sweet. But you understand, you know, listen, there's always going to be problems. But there's a relationship where you will never be hurt selfishly. Ever. And it's the basis of all relationships. Do you know if you could be sure somebody loved you and had your back and you were okay, you'd be free to love other people, wouldn't you? So often relationships break down because what's happening is we're looking for somebody uh, to meet our needs. And we'll move a little bit, and we expect them to move a little bit, and then we'll move a little bit more, and we expect them to move a little bit more, and if they stop moving, we walk away. Happens even in marriages. People walk away from marriages because the other person stopped giving in the marriage, and therefore somebody walked away. <clears throat> uh, that's human relationship, but this relationship with God's not like that. He says, no, I loved you when you didn't care about me. I loved you with a depth that you can't understand. And he invites you into relationship with him. And you see, when you come into relationship with him and you begin to live in that relationship and to enjoy that relationship, what you find is, you find it's the sweetest relationship there is. And you find yourself in the place where you have to give to others. Now, l listen, let me warn you. Don't get it back to front. Don't, don't have some love relationship in your life uh, that makes Jesus second. And hope that somehow it'll all even out. It won't. He wants to be number one. And the reason for your sake that he wants to be number one is because he's the only one that can provide you what you need in terms of love. And he's the only one that can help you sustain the other relationships in your life. He's where the flow comes. He's where the tank is. He's where all of it is. He wants you to love him back. 
It's a command. And it's a response to his love. Now, third point is this. Loving God is evidenced by obeying his commands. Now, again, let me put in in this caveat. Sometimes, here's what we do, right? We say, well, I obey him. I do what he wants me to do. But there's no love there. I'm, I'm doing what he wants me to do. I, you may have done this. I, I had a boss once, and I did what he told me to do. Didn't, didn't like the man. Uh, I thought he was small. Uh, but I did what he wanted me to do. Now, there was no love. I could actually obey without love. So can you, too. You can obey God without love. Do you know that? That's hard, and you'll probably fail sooner or later at it. But you can actually do that. You can obey God without loving him. But you know what? You can't love God without obeying him. Don't get it back to front again. Uh, You can obey without loving, but you can't love without obeying. Let's look at our verses here. Um, John 14, 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself unto him. That's a powerful verse there. That if you keep his commandments, uh, it's because you love him. And what's going to happen is uh, he's, you're going to be loved of his father and he's going to manifest himself to you. Manifest means reveal, show. See, it's a relationship. It's a love relationship. I mean, you know that God loves you. Uh, you you've been hearing it since you were tiny. You know that's, that, that, that's a reality. But, you know, there's more than just knowing it. There's an experience of it. There's an experiencing of the reality. And what happens in this experience of the reality is it's a relationship. In order for you to experience this love of his, you have to be returning that love. You have to be loving him. And when you love him, keeping his commandments is no problem. You want to keep his commandments. You want to please him. When when you love somebody, part of it is that you want to please them. You want to do what they would have you to do. And when you love him... You're going to keep his commandments. Now, <clears throat> here's where some of you are going to be, right? You're going to be in this place where um, you don't love him and you don't keep his commandments. Now, why don't you love him and you don't keep his commandments? And I'll tell you why. Because you don't understand his love for you. <clears throat> yes, listen, you know what? <clears throat> We're all sinners by nature. That's, that's the reality of it. But you know, he, he didn't come in with commands telling us to fix it even though we're sinners. He came in with his spirit and his power and his love, and he says, I can change you. Will you let me? But sometimes we miss it. Now, why do we miss it? We've got all kinds of reasons why we miss it, all kinds of difficulties in our heads. Uh, so we can have a wrong impression of God. We can have a wrong understanding of who he is. We can have all kinds of things. We can have what people told us and all the rest. And we can totally miss the fact that he loves you Based on nothing of you, it's all based on him. We can miss how much he loves me. You know, as the Father loved Jesus, so he loves you. We can miss how we can miss all that. And you know, what we talked about last week was the fact that we needed his love revealed to us. We need the Spirit of God to, and that's what you need. See, sometimes we think, okay, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm, I'm going to obey. And so you start off on a Monday morning and you've been charged up on Sunday and you're going to obey. You're going to do right. You're going to do right this week. You're going to get things right and so on. And you find by Monday evening you've fallen on your faces and you've failed. Because you've got the cart before the horse. Right? 
You can't obey without love, and you can't love unless you understand his love for you. But when you understand his love for you, then you love him, and then obeying is not even an issue. You don't have to work at it. It's just the desire of your heart is to obey him. Do you get it? Do you see the way God set this up for you and I? Now, you know, religion and Christianity are so totally different because religion, in its, the, the idea of religion is the things you've got to do. God wants you to love him, but he's put out all the love and he wants you to experience that. And then the response is to love him back and to serve him because that's the normal, natural response to him. Uh, and you see, if, if you're having a hard time obeying him, <clears throat> today. If you're having an area, of li- an area in your life where there's sin and it's just kind of crippling, I guarantee you, the problem is in your love relationship with him. Trace it back far enough and the problem is in your love relationship with him. And if we, if we go back far enough, we're probably going to find that you really don't understand how much he loves you. That you really don't get that. That you really don't, 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 don't understand his, the depth of his love for you. Listen to a book this week, and um, <clears throat> interesting guy is dealing with, with somebody uh, <clears throat> who's in a college campus setting. Right? He's Christian, but he's uh, not a very good Christian, and he's falling apart, and, and um, he's, he's coming for, for counseling, coming for help. Right? So the, the, the counselor <clears throat> is talking to him, and he's, he, he, he's asking him, does God love him? And the guy says this, he says, no, God doesn't love me. And he says, why? Because I'm a bad person. I do bad things. I think bad things. That's a common misconception for us, isn't it? Because if we don't understand his, the basis of his love, we're always going to get it wrong. And so he's able to take this for him. And he's able to say, listen, you have children. He said, yeah. Uh, now, if your children do wrong, do you love them? And he said, of course I do. And he said, do you think your father is any less than you are? You see, God doesn't love us because we're good. God doesn't love us because we get it right. God doesn't love us because we're the good guys. God loves us because that's who he is. He loves us. And when I understand the fact that he loves me, then my response to him is going to be love and obedience flows from it. Do you get it? Do you understand it? Religion's Christianity is not this grim thing where you will do it. And all too often we've portrayed it as that. It's not this grim thing of you will do it. It's the reality of, no, he loves me and I love him and I want to make him happy and I do anything to make him happy. So keeping his commandments is not about his commandments. It's about keeping his happy. Do you understand how different that is than keeping a set of rules? Now, we're hardwired for rules. We're hardwired... For, for meritorious living. We're hardwired for earning everything with him. Right? That poor guy. Uh, God would love him if he was good enough. Yeah? It, we're hardwired that way. But we've got to put that to one side because that's not the basis of it. The basis of it is he loves me because he is love. And he loves me completely and absolutely and there's Nothing anyone can do to change that. And my heart then responds to him in love. And then obedience is just a matter of course. It's just easy. In, in fact, it's not even easy. It's a joy. 
to obey. It's a joy to please. Hey, the Bible says that God loveth a cheerful giver, and the word we know is a hilarious giver. Now, why would somebody give hilariously? Because they're involved in a love relationship. In a love relationship, you don't count the cost. You do whatever you can. And it's, it's that love relationship with him that draws us into that sweet and blessed side of Christianity so that obeying commands is not obeying commands anymore. It's a joy for me to do what he wants me to do. Now, <clears throat> I want to tie two other verses here uh, to this. First of all, John fifteen ten: If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Now, doesn't that sound good to you? Abide in his love. It, abide just means dwell, live. Keep my commandments, you're going to live in my love. See, it's kind of like being in a sunbeam. A sunbeam of his love. Keep his commandments and you're going to abide in his love. You're going to live always with that experience of his love. <clears throat> As I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Right? Now, John 8, 31. We're familiar with these next two verses, but I want to, I want to take them and bring them home to you. Uh, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, that's obey, if you continue in my word, then are my, ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now listen, everybody in this room wants to be free. That's a universal desire. We want to be free. We want to be free. Now, how are you going to be free? Well, I'm going to be free to do my own thing. That's not freedom. Doing your own thing can destroy you, can't it? Doing your own thing destroys lots of people. But Jesus offers you real freedom. He says, continue in my word. And then you will know the truth. By the way, the truth is a person. You, know, you love truth and truth loves you. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. <clears throat> the truth is a person. You, uh, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Do you want to be free? Well, it comes back to this love relationship. You've got to understand his love for you. You've got to then, having understood that love for you, you've got to respond to him with love. Out of that love flows obedience. You're going to do things his way. Why wouldn't you? If you love him and he loves you, why wouldn't you want to do what he wants you to do? I mean, if, if, if he loves you and you love him, whatever he tells you to do is going to be right and good for you, isn't it? Of course it is. And so what you do is you say, yes, Lord, I'm, go I'm going to abide in your truth. Now, sometimes it's going to seem like it's pretty costly in your life. But because of this love relationship, you'll do it. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to know truth. And the truth is going to make you free. You're going to be free because he wants you to be free. He wants you to have the shackles taken off. He wants you to have the bondage removed. He wants you to be free. But you know what so often happens in our lives? <clears throat> if you continue my word and, and we don't, then you know what? If you don't continue in his word, you, you won't know the truth. And, and you'll be bound. That's, that's the way it works. Now, let me, let me just tell you once again. It's not about you deciding, okay, okay, all right. All right, it's grim, it's hard, it's tough, but I'm going to do everything Jesus told me to do. 
I'm going to find it in the Bible. I'm going to do everything. It's not about that. It's about you understanding he loves you. It's about you loving him back. And then his commands, the Bible says, are not grievous. They're a joy. And you're living in relationship with him, and your life just works. It's sweet. It's blessed. That's what you need. That's what you want. That's, that's what I want. That's what the whole world is looking for. The whole world is looking for this relationship that works because we walk with him. But so many people just miss it. They miss that relationship. Now we'll come back and we'll look at this text and we'll talk more about the fact of how you can actually be there. But this morning as we close, I want you just to ask yourself a question. Do I love him? Do I love him? Is it real in my heart? You might say, well, I want to. You might say, well, I don't feel anything. I try and do what's right, but I don't feel anything. Let me just tell you there's more. As we close this morning, we're going to stand and we're going to pray. I'm going to give you an opportunity to deal with him. Okay, and I'm going to tell you how to deal with him, right? If, if, if you honestly can't say that you love him, then there's a command at issue here, isn't there? But the truth is, you're not able to fix it. And if we could sit down and talk one-on-one and we could get all the questions out on the table, we'd find that, you know what? You're not really sure he loves you. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to confess the fact that maybe you don't love him. And you're going to say, now, Lord, I can't fix this. I need you to fix it. I need you to show me your love. I need you to show me your love for me. I need you to reveal yourself to me. And you're going to ask him to step in and to help you because you can't, but he can. And I guarantee you, get the love relationship fixed and you know what's going to happen? You're going to find obeying him is no problem. It's no issue at all. But you can't fix it. You're looking to him and depending upon him to fix it. Let's stand for prayer. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to give you a moment to do business with God yourself. Father in heaven, would you bless us? Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us the way you do. And oh Lord, we do rebuke the enemy now. Lord, would you rebuke him for us? Lord, he wants to create confusion amongst your people about how much you love them. And Lord, would you cut through? Blessed Spirit of the living God, would you take the message to the heart of each one that needs it today and help them to see your love? That Lord, we might know your love, we might live in that love, we might abide in that love. And, Lord, that obedience might flow from that. But, Lord, would you bless, Lord. We can't, but you can. Deal with your people now as they come to you in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you, Lord. Would you bless us now. Uh, Be with us, we pray, in Jesus' precious name.